0: This whole week, we've been focusing on putting our feet where Jesus put his. And we're so glad you've chosen to join us as we have journeyed from Palm Sunday, where we started with his entry into Jerusalem. We said, we're going to stay with Jesus all week long. And then Money Changer Monday, and then turned into Confrontational Tuesday, where he wanted to get first things first, set some things straight. Spy Wednesday, where he bore the weight of betrayal from Judas, Monday, Thursday where he got down and grabbed the basin of water and the towel and taught us about serving and giving ourselves away. This leads us right here tonight, Crucifixion Friday. Maybe this is your first time around, Eagle. We're glad you've chosen to be a guest with us tonight and reflect on the events of tonight and all of you joining us online. We've got so many families uh, traveling all around this weekend, and someone stopped me as I was driving out of the neighborhood and said, hey, we're going to be with you at the airport, so-and-so. Others probably joining us on I-75 somewhere down south in their minivans and everywhere in between. We're glad you're a part of the significance of the events we're talking about tonight. You as a congregation gave me a great gift, gave our family a great gift last year of a sabbatical. One aspect of the sabbatical was I got to spend time in Israel, which a pastor going to Israel would be like you tech heads going and spending, you know, all this time in Silicon Valley and shadowing Google and Yahoo and all those other guys. I got to go and hang out and walk the actual footsteps of what we're discussing tonight. And one of the most meaningful spots where I put my feet where Jesus put his literally was in this location, the Garden of Gethsemane. Here's an image that, this are the olive trees, so Gethsemane gets its name from the olive tree itself. The word comes from two Hebrew words that deal with the pressing of olive oil, and the way they did it was they took the olives and they laid them out on like large slabs and then they took larger slabs yet and weighted down on this. So they put like slab to slab and the olives were pressed in the middle and they got the word Gethsemane out of it. And so here's what we read Jesus entering into Gethsemane. They actually believed those might be the olive trees that maybe Jesus would have even walked through himself. Matthew 26 says it this way, verse 36 and following. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. He said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So do you follow the connection on on why he chose the, the Garden of Gethsemane for this scene? That just as surely as the weight of those slabs pressed the oil out of the olives, here Jesus is stepping into this space and he's bearing the weight of the sin of the world upon his shoulders. And instead of oil being pressed from him, the scripture says he began to sweat what? Drops of blood. So it was pressed out of him by bearing the weight. That's the troubled and sorrowful sense he was because he was bearing the weight of all of our sin. Can you picture that? How much it is to bear the weight of my own sin? And he bearing the weight of everyone else's. That's Gethsemane. And right beside this olive grove of trees, there's a church. This is the church of Gethsemane. And underneath the church of Gethsemane, here is the altar area of Gethsemane, and there's a large slab of rock where when I was kneeling there, someone else in our group snapped a picture across the way. So that's the altar area there on one side, and then at the base of the altar is this slab of rock. And they believe this is the slab of rock where Jesus fell on his face and prayed what he prayed there in Matthew 26 Verse 39 here. Check this out. Verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So that slab of rock, do you see the connections and the significance? The slab of rock and the olive press and olive juice is the slab of rock. Jesus laying there, falling on his face, sweating drops of blood, bearing the weight of the sin of the world. What's being literally squeezed out of him. And if Jesus prayed, Lord, is there any other way? Does that help us understand why times in our life when we say, Lord, please, any other way? Is there a plan B or a plan C or a plan D? Any other plan but this one. If Jesus prayed for that, good chance we'll be at that space at some point. And so then what comes on the heels of this garden scene, which by the way, the olive grove is right there beside the church. You've got this grove. And so the church, that's why they built this. And it's still an active cathedral. So while we were there, while we were praying, nations of the world gathering there, all laying their hands or the press my forehead down on that rock and just tried to identify with this point of surrender and suffering and sacrifice. And then a priest came out and they began to lead a whole Catholic mass right there. It's still an active cathedral. And from that very scene, they come and arrest him. And they whisk him away. And this begins the journey for our crucifixion Friday. For he rose and said, you know what? Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. And I'm gonna walk this path. I'm gonna carry out the responsibilities of bearing what you've asked me to bear. So do you do you see where when we track with Jesus from his entry into Jerusalem and he knew what the week was going to be about? And if you've been putting your feet with his by the time you get to Friday, can you kind of begin to feel the weight of this night and all that hangs in the balance? And tonight, Jesus puts his kind of signature on this reality of a rhythm of this weekend. The first movement of the rhythm of this weekend for Jesus is the movement of endings. This reality that we all encounter, if you just live life, you're gonna live in some period. Everyone in this room is either in the middle of an ending personally, just come through an ending, or about to enter into one. Just keep living and you'll come to some place of endings. Most endings in our life are thrust upon us. We don't choose them often. Most of them are chosen for us. And so this morning for the Sears family, you know, many of you have been praying for Chad Sears and his father. So Ken Sears, around 5 a.m. this morning, he passes away and Chad sent me a text and said, Dad, sunrise is unlike any other sunrise this morning. And so the Sears family now losing, Chad losing his father is thrust not only from his father's ending of his physical life on earth, but then the ripple effect of a a marriage that's ending and of a a companionship that was there that's ending, of a father-son relationship, of a grandfather and grandchild, all these endings, one ripple effect out to other endings. And that's carried out, the Remender, Tom and losing his father just a couple of weeks ago, the Remender family walking through this all the way out to the Donella family or the Rutledge family or the Sterling family or all across the congregation we could go, right? Where there's a ripple effect of one of the endings that's thrust upon us in this life is our physical life and our physical health comes to an end. And then that cascades out into a ripple effect of endings. And for whatever reason... God seems to see fit that they tend to come in waves in our lives. Have you noticed that with these endings? They tend to come in kind of bunches and seem to be overwhelming at times. And I know for me, I'm kind of in the sequence of about a four-month sequence of endings. You know, sometimes endings are in friendships. Those are really hard, right? When you You have a friendship that you thought would never end, and it comes to an end, and what do you do with that? Or other endings, we've had plenty of those in our staff relationships. You have working relationships, right? As a staff, we've gone through a lot of endings over the last few months. Those are hard goodbyes and hard transitions, and as a congregation, we've been having a fair share of those. And then in January, when I said goodbye to my grandmother, who Lily's named after and going through that ending. And then that cycles into more endings for the family front of being with my mom now in her space of both of her parents being gone. And and then they just sold kind of the house and the property and the grounds where we all grew up and we had all these memories and that's just ending. It's just endings, right? It can be job, can be health, can be the passing of a loved one. It could be a dream or a hope. It could be something with ministry. You're either right now in the middle of one Just come through one or about to enter into one. And I don't know about you, but the experience usually right on the heels of an ending is this wave of grief and loss. And I don't do grief and loss very well. My mode with grief and loss most of the time is to kind of like, you know, either deny it, move on, kind of bury it and ignore it, that kind of mode. I don't really want to enter in. I don't want to move towards the grief and loss. But do you see the invitation tonight that Jesus is the Lord of endings and we don't have to push it away, we don't have to deny it, we don't have to ignore it, we don't have to run from it. We can move towards it with Jesus. We can go the way of Jesus with our endings. And to go his way is to go to bring our endings to Jesus and let him bring the strength of his companionship. To us. Because tonight, he puts a signature move on this reality that in your endings, I will be with you and I will help you. No matter how deep the valley, no matter how dark of the days, that tonight reminds us that when Jesus bore the weight of the pain and the suffering from the Thursday night into the Friday, into the trial and the injustice, and you go, when you get those places in your life where you say, who, who, who doesn't, who understands this? That's not right place. You know, Jesus stood there and he was innocent and the crowds are chanting crucify and they let robbers go who are guilty and he stands there and lets the father be his defender. Jesus understands that. I will be with you. I will help you in that place where you say, I don't understand. And that's not right. Right? And then when they flogged him and they took the whips and they ripped the flesh off his back and they pressed the crown of thorns and the blood was spilled out, when they drug the cross and when I walk the steps up to Golgotha where they've built another church where they believe that piece of ground was and you take that ascent and you try to picture Jesus in his beaten and bloodied state making that walk knowing what awaits him at the end of that walk. Jesus says, Hey, in all your endings, small and large and all in between, I will be with you. And I will help you. And so that's what the significance of our communion table tonight is. In just a moment, I'm going to dismiss you to come to the tables. And in the communion elements themselves, do you see, are you tracking with the companionship in the elements that when you come and, and you can tear off a piece of bread, do you, that's his body broken for you. Do you see the act of tearing away? There's a, there's a brokenness there. There's a painfulness there. There's Jesus saying, I understand. And then you dip it into the juice and his blood was shed because you know they thrust a spear in his side and his blood was poured out. And in that, the scripture says that's as far away as our sin is taken from us, as far as the east is from the west through this blood, through this broken body. And so when you come to the table in a few moments, I want you to bring your endings to Jesus and let him bring the strength of his companionship to you. I will be with you and I will help you. tonight puts a guarantee on that promise. That sometimes you may lay in your bed and wonder who could possibly understand the height and depth and breadth of the pain of what you're walking through. Tonight says there is one guaranteed to understand that. He is the man of sorrows who bore the full crushing weight of the sin of the world and the physical pain that came with it. And when you come to the tables tonight, you come and you receive a companion. So you physically take in, do you see the act of communion? You take in the elements. Do you see the nearness of Jesus and just partaking of the elements? I will be with you when you receive them and I will help you. We have an open communion table here at Eagle, meaning you don't have to be a member here. This may be your first time here, but the scriptures are clear. You do need to be a member of Jesus' family. You need to have made a decision to be a follower of Christ. And no better time than tonight if you're not sure if you've done that. You can pray right where you're at in just a moment. You can give your heart to Christ, confess your sin, acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, and come and take communion for the very first time. Letitia reminded me earlier today, many of you know Letitia Garcia, who, who and her family clean the church week after week and do such a great job. Letitia said, pastor, 10 years ago, 10 years ago tonight, my spiritual birthday, she said. And she remembers, this was the time. And that could be for you. And maybe others of you have come carrying some pretty heavy burdens and you'd like to have Prayer. And so we'll have this area over here, the kneeling benches on both sides. I'll be over this way. We'll have an elder or two over to this side. And if you just would like to come and have someone pray with you, maybe you've got a physical issue going on. You'd like to be anointed with oil. We still believe this Jesus heals emotionally, physically, relationally. He can heal. So you can bring your brokenness to him and let him bring his healing grace to you. So you're welcome to do that in just a moment as well. So this is us putting our feet where Jesus put his feet. And when we come to the tables tonight, we come to one whose body was broken and whose blood was shed to say in your endings, you will not be alone. I will be with you and I will help you. You can trust me. So let's pray together. And just in the quietness of your own seat, if you'd just like to solidify that you want to be a follower of Jesus and you're not sure if you're in or not with that, that you can just settle it right now, you can simply call out from where you're at and say, Jesus, save me. I know I've got plenty of sin that needs to be dealt with, save me. I know you are Lord and Savior, save me. I know you rose from the dead, save me and you just call out, Lord, save me. And then you can come and take communion for the very first time. Jesus, we thank you that what this night represents is we come to this table and we receive your elements, your word reminds us to do it in remembrance and as an act of worship, and we do that. We purposefully and intentionally remember your great sacrifice. We're so grateful for companionship in our endings. I pray that you would provide a help and a strength and a hope at these tables tonight. Give to each one exactly what they need when they come. For we come as an act of worship now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So we've got four tables there's gluten-free options at each table in the basket and parents gonna leave this in your hands many young ones in the room tonight this is a good moment for you as parents to take a couple minutes and talk to your younger children about this whole significance of communion and if they've made a decision to be a follower and if they haven't just this is a good parenting moment and then spread out all around the room Take the time you need to pray. The team will lead us through some more songs, but let's stand together and then you're dismissed to any of these four tables to receive communion.
1: But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. Enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place, once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining ed- eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean. Sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant.
0: We're not quite done yet because we got to put our feet where Jesus put his feet at the end of Friday. So after he breathed his last and they took his body down closest friends, Mary and Mary and a few others got together and they cleaned his body up because believe you me, it needed to be cleaned up. It was bloodied. It was beaten. They wrapped him in some grave clothes which had been cloth-like material. Kind of placed some spices and other things to help stem the odor of death. They wrapped it all up, and they placed him in a tomb, which would have been an above-ground cave. So in that area of the world, their tombs are cut out of rock, and they laid Jesus' body wrapped in those grave clothes in that above-ground cave, and... Pilate, the Roman leader, was so concerned that that body stayed where it was supposed to stay, that he had this large stone rolled over it to seal it, put his own seal upon it so it wouldn't be disturbed, and then placed two Roman guards. Because he wanted to make sure that Jesus of Nazareth stayed right there. I want you to put yourself for a moment in the disciples' shoes here. Put yourself in Mary, his mother, Peter, John, Mary Magdalene. Can you feel right now how the, kind of the groaning and the tears of Good Friday, of Crucifixion Friday, it gave way to hear this now. It's kind of the the deep sighing and the stillness of Silent Saturday. See, Silent Saturday, you're just staring at the sealed tomb. It's in Silent Saturday where you whisper things like, did that just happen? What happened there? That's not how I envisioned this playing out. This can't be the script that I'm supposed to live. This is Silent Saturday language. This is where the very things you just walked through, you never imagined you'd walk through. It didn't play out near like you thought it was gonna play out. And you're with the disciples, and it looks like game over. It, it, it's, you're just staring. You don't even have words to articulate the depth of confusion of Silent Saturday. I wanna give you an image for Silent Saturday. Here, here's your image which is in a moment gonna flow into your benediction, but here's the image, it's a trapeze artist, okay? I I don't know anything about trapeze stuff, but when I saw this image, I said, that's it. Doing a little reading about it. There comes a point for the trapeze artist to release the bar. That's Crucifixion Friday, the release. That's an ending. So I want you to picture, right, most likely in your life, that ending's been thrust upon you. You've been thrust into You've had to release something. Release a loved one. Release a position. Release something with family and marriage. Release health. Release a vision and a dream. You've had to release that's Friday. And then when you release, here's what you're thrust into. This is Silent Saturday. Your ending flows into a waiting. I call it the confusing in between. Where you've left what is and you haven't yet grabbed what will be. A Silent Saturday when you've relinquished what used to be and haven't got a hold of what will be. My experience with the Lord is, He tends to leave me there a lot longer than I'm comfortable. Anybody else found that? Like, like, There's a lot of spiritual formation work that's done in that suspended space in between. To put the language of this in the silent Saturday seasons of our lives and right there is how we're going to dismiss tonight. And this is the reason we're going to enter into a 24-hour fast together as a church family. So, say, well, why are we doing that? Because do you know how, do you see now how fasting helps ground this release from the crucifixion and this hanging in suspended air in the silent Saturday. It grounds this stillness, this groaning, this yearning, this wondering, this saying, did that just happen? So we're gonna fast from food for the next 24 hours as a step of feasting upon God you know that's what fasting is? Fasting is a way of feasting on God. And if you've never done this before, give it a try. And simply just drink water or juice for the next 24 hours, and every time the kind of twinge of hunger comes, you recognize this, that you know the most important things about us as human beings is not physical. You know, fasting amplifies that. The most important things about us is not physical. It's not our appetites. We're not just a bunch of appetites waiting to indulge them. That's not who we really are. At our core, what did Jesus say? Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What does that magnify? The core of who you really are, the most significant part of who you really are is not physical. And fasting magnifies that. So let's take this time of fasting and move it into feasting and take some space over the next 24 hours. You're not going to be preparing food or eating the food or cleaning up from the food. Take all that time that you've just redeemed and move towards God with simple things like sitting in stillness and silence, stare at your own sealed tomb situation. Try sitting for like a 10 minute period of time just in stillness and silence over the next 24 hours. Try that. And when your mind's bouncing everywhere, just simply bring it back to a word like, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Or bring a word like Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be alone. Or Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. Or simply bring to mind, Jesus, here I am, help me. The point is just to turn from our kind of feasting on food to feasting on God through the discipline of fasting. And in that, embrace a stillness and a silence. And then break the fast tomorrow night as a step towards gathering back together on Sunday morning as a body. Because hallelujah, we've got one more word to add to this rhythm. You you, you feel in the rhythm now of this weekend? The rhythm of the weekend is endings... Friday waitings Saturday and then hallelujah we get to embrace one more element on Sunday the new beginnings of resurrection Sunday because the endings and the waitings become seeds for these new beginnings and that's what Sunday is all about So this is about preparing us to move through Friday into Saturday from crucifixion to waiting to resurrection because this is a rhythm we experience. You just keep living. You live in this rhythm. You don't have to work at this. This is the rhythm of what it means. And if you link up with Jesus, you're brought into this by default. So if it helps you to just kind of engrave that in your head over this next 24 hours, I encourage you to do that. And when you come to service on Sunday, that's actually going to be an image in your program you're handed, Because we'll pick it back up there on Resurrection Sunday. So let's stand together. I'm going to send you out tonight. Benediction. From Mark 15. Mark 15. Mark 15, This says, with a loud cry, verse 37, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, quote, surely this man is the son of God. So now may your Messiah, who's called the man of sorrows, may he pour out his spirit in your life and give you a strength of hopefulness, a ray of light in your endings, that you will sense a nearness with Jesus in your crucifixions and in your waitings that you'll hear the whisper of his spirit over this next day, that you'll hear him say this, I am with you and I will help you. Grow as, go as a crucified people of Jesus. Amen.